If you will, turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. Gospel according to Luke, chapter 10. I, uh, I won't speak for everyone, but it seems that some of you may be a little tired today. Uh, I don't know if you lost an hour of sleep or what it was, but nonetheless, uh, we, it, seems, it seems that uh, there's not as much jubilation as uh, in times past. And so that's all right, though, because I've got a way that not only for the kids, as we just did, but also for us, as we're about to do, um, to, to sort of revive ourselves, all right? Because sometimes you kind of just got to either splash yourself with some water or tell yourself, hey... You're not tired, at least that's what I do all the time, is I'm like, you're not really tired, man, get over it. And so here's what we're going to do. Um, if, if you know the, the series that we're starting today is called Listen to Him, all right? And this is uh, partially based off of this resource that we've, we've given to all our members, and it's back here on this table. If you did not get one, uh, please take one today. If you can't, uh, you know, we're asking a $10 donation. If you can't do that, that's fine. Go ahead and take one. We want you to have this resource and, uh, and walk with us 40 days through this devotional. What, what J.D. Walt is going to say is that the scripture reading is more important than his, his comments on the scripture. And it's got the scripture from all the way from really the transfiguration to the Passion Week. So this is going to bring us literally all the reading in Gospel of Luke to that point, okay? And so what I want to do is, is have us do this, okay? I'm going to say, listen to him, all right? And then you're going to respond, Lord, let it be. All right, so let's, let's just try that, okay? Listen to him, Lord, let it be. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask somebody to uh, spontaneously say, listen to him, and then all of us will respond again, Lord, let it be, okay? Lord, let it be. Someone else. Lord, let it be. Last person. Lord, let it be. Let us listen to him from Luke 10 and starting with verse 17. The scripture says this. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. 
Then turning to the disciples, He said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Lord Jesus, let it be today that we hear you. We pray in your name. Amen. I looked down this morning and at my thumb and noticed a black substance. This is because the ashes were so impressed on me uh, Wednesday that they actually, you know, as many times as I've washed my hands and all, it's not that I'm bad at hygiene. Uh, it's, it's actually that it, it really pressed in there pretty good. Uh, I, honestly, I wore the sign of the cross from 7 that morning to roughly, I don't know, 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night. And I had a bit of, of, of blackness there on my forehead. But that's gone away. But this, this must have got ground in there pretty good. But it was a great reminder this morning that we are but ashes. From dust we were made, and to dust we shall return. And yet, and yet, there's a beautiful really almost poetic way to look at ourselves. And it's not just as ashes. For, yes, we are made of dust, but we contain in ourselves, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God's divinity. So we are both at the same time. Dust, yes, just a temple made of dust. Just as this temple here is of brick and mortar. Just as the first temple was a garden. So too, we are but dust and yet contain divinity. What an interesting mix we find in us. And we often see this. Our hearts, our desire is for this and our bodies fail us. And this is one reason why we have entered into a holy Lent. is to remind our body of what its end is. And by end, we both mean the process ending, but also the meaning of this whole process. And that is, for us, resurrection from the dead. For He will raise this body to new life. A temple indestructible and filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And that is, uh, of course, something to, to be joyful about. We are but broken vessels, Paul said, and yet we contain the indescribable nature of God within us. He's placed His special gift in pots made of clay. And that's his sort of secret design to save the world. Isn't this how he did save the world? Was by coming in a body, a human frail body, as a baby and then a child, a pubescent boy, then a young man, and then to adulthood. And at 33, he died. And then on the third day, he resurrected. 
and was the first fruits of all those who are of the way. And that's you. And that's me. And so let us hear from Jesus from this text. The first thing we meet here is a joyful return. Jesus had commissioned 72. Before this, he had commissioned just the 12. And now the 72. And they go out and they're healing people. They're preaching. And they are casting out evil spirits. And they come back, you can see in the text, and they are rejoicing about this. And, and, and are, in other words, it literally says here, with joy. They had found joy in the work of God. And they had also, the 12, particularly the 3, had seen God on the mountain. And I think one has to be reminded that we are not meant to just simply remain on the mountain. There are these mountaintop experiences. And and we, like Peter, want to say, let's build a temple here and just remain here. And yet Jesus says, no, we must be going. He goes down into the valley. And then he continues to go down to Jerusalem. Literally sets his face to Jerusalem. He will predict his death in chapter 9 two different times. In other words, Jesus is one of his starting points is his final mission, which is to die for the sake of others. And it is helpful for us to be reminded of death and reminded we've been recently. We won't live forever. We will have an end. And what does our end say about what we've done in our body? For... We all truly preach our own funerals. Someone can wax eloquent about you, but you've already said enough when your time has come. And we must be mindful of this. We must be mindful that we can honor God in this body, the scripture says. We can please Him with our bodies. And so they return joyful. Uh, and then they, Jesus kind of throws a wet blanket on things. I mean, here they are, yeah, giving each other a high five. Yeah, did you see that? I mean, you know how it is. After you, after you go do something awesome, it's like you recount those moments. It's like, man, did you see when we went in that house and then this happened? Everybody's like, and Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And of course, this could be a reference to the future. It could have been looking back on what Isaiah said when what appears to be Satan fell from heaven. Or it could be that as they went out overcoming darkness in the name of Jesus, uneducated people, nobodies in the world, that Satan was already falling. Either interpretation, he says this, look, this is all in, or they say, this is all in your name. And he tells them, look, you've got power over scorpions and serpents. And, you know, there's like 36, uh, look this up. There's 36 uh, different species of snakes in Palestine. Now, you know me, I don't, I don't do snakes. And there's one in particular that uh, is, is very poisonous. And it's very subtle. That's sort of what makes it dangerous. And, you know, when we say, when we say things like this, and that is the devil is in the details. We're really saying something true. 
The devil is in the details. For it's only, it's only by one added word that our first parents fall. God says, you will surely die if you eat of the fruit. The serpent comes along and says, you will surely not die. It's in the details of our life that the enemy will work. He's not going to scare us, come out and scare us, boo, ah, ah, you know, that's not going to work. It's going to be in these subtle ways, these small decisions that at the time seem insignificant and yet will set a trajectory in our life, will become a chain of addiction, will become a default position psychologically will be a place that we run to inside of ourself rather than to God and others. It is a dark place. And these are dark moments. But they don't have to be. For God can give us the victory. He alone can give us the power to make wise choices in our lives. Even at the smallest level. Maybe most importantly... At the smallest of levels. You see, it's when you're by yourself making those decisions that affect the most people. He's not going to tempt you, say, with murder, but a root of bitterness he will place there and say, That person didn't deserve that anyway. And we so easily forget of how undeserving we are. And we, begun, we, we, we end up in our pursuit to be like God, start pursuing being God. And of course, this was the mistake of our first parents. No, we don't trust what God has told us, which is, you will surely die. Instead, we trust what we told us, And that is, the fruit looked good to me. It sounds good to me. I don't see anything wrong with it. Everybody else is doing it. Does this sound familiar at all? Let's vote on this. How about we listen to the democracy of the dead? As Chesterton would point us to. And that is those who have gone before us and gone down that road already. You know, I'm very grateful to my father that he told us plainly where alcohol leads. I never have gone down that road. Thanks be to God. I never will go down that road. Thanks be to God. How many more of us from our own hells that God has delivered us from could help others if we would share? If we would say, look, brother, look, sister, if we would have a holy boldness enough to say, listen to me, man. I've been down that road. I know exactly where it ends. It's always the same end. This is why Lent reminds us to back off of some things that we get comfortable with. For 
Jesus says here, don't be impressed by the authority and the power that I give you over darkness. Instead, one ought to recalibrate your orientation to heaven. In other words, don't look down. Instead, look up. This is where our hope is. And so, Jesus gives this jarring recalibration in the midst of their celebration. He says, hey guys, listen. Make sure of what you're celebrating, that it is of God. For sometimes, we say, oh, look at my bank account. Oh, look at my house situation, job situation, family situation. God is really blessing me. And one has to think, is he? Or are we coddled in the arms of the enemy? And he's feeding the bottle of materialism to us by the droves. Bottle after bottle after bottle. And because we live comfortably, we think that is the peace of God. And you are wrong, friend. For Paul says, with plenty or with nothing... I have found contentment. I wonder in the 40 days that we have, and we've already inspired some of them, if we can find contentment in the desert, the wilderness, not in plenty, but in little. I wonder if we couldn't all of a sudden... (laughs) Return joyful over the power of God working in us. That our names are written in heaven. You know, I've had two saints and friends die. And they're gone. Their legacy lives on, but they are not here with us. And it feels a little less like home now. But friend, that's not a bad thing. We need to be reminded sometimes that this is not our home. Sometimes we put all our eggs in the basket of this life and we are wrong to do so. For our names are written somewhere else. Not just in this life. Not on billboards or on temples of this world. But in heaven. We have a reservation. Yeah, I was thinking about this. And I've enjoyed it the times where there was a really long line at a restaurant. A really nice restaurant maybe. Not that I frequent them often, but. And Jessica and I may walk in and we just walk straight to our table and everybody's looking and they're like, wow, who is that? Well, we're a bunch of nobodies. We got five kids, you know what I mean? We just broke free. And, uh, but people are like, wow, how'd they get special treatment? What's well, because you either know somebody or you've got a reservation. And you know what? We know somebody, don't we? As Christians, as brothers and sisters, we know somebody, right? We do. And... He tells us that I am going to prepare a place for you. 
Now my goodness, if, if, if He's prepared what He's given to us already in this life, can you imagine what it's going to be like in the next life? And it's not so much about the mansion, or which is actually a bad translation in the King James. <clears throat> um, in the Greek, it's actually rooms, which is what your Bible will say now if you're reading from something besides the King James. But it's not about golden streets. Those are metaphors for us to say, even the ground, there is more expensive than our homes. They're gold. But it's not about material possessions. It's about the presence of the living God for our, seriously, our deepest desire. I mean, how many people have made it to the top? Not many, statistically. But the ones who have, we got a lot of data on them. And you know what? Every time they get there, they do one of two things. They commit suicide or they become a philanthropist. It's insane. When you make it to the top, you either turn around and help other people or you kill yourself. Because that's the end, apparently, of materialism. Now... Most of us are not near the top. At least we don't feel like we are. You see, statistically, we are the point zero 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 one percent of the world's elite rich. We don't see ourselves that way. Neither does the elite rich. But we are filthy rich simply because we're in 2019 living in America. Even if you're on the lower rungs of society, compared to the rest of the world, what we call now not third world, it's inappropriate, it's majority world. Why? Because the majority of the world does not live like us. Varieties of food, that's insane. No, it's rice every day. Housing, as spacious as us? Are you joking? No, it's the whole family piled in a room. On the floor. Friend, much has been given to us. And a lot of what has been given to us, we're not very grateful for. Don't make this your home. That's the point. Whether you have a lot, or whether you have a little, don't Make this your home. This is not home. There's going to be, have you not heard the news? A new earth and a new heaven. And we're getting a new body. And that's good news. That's something to stake your life on. And we need that. We need hope that's informing us from the future. Jesus embraces the cross he looks upon before he ever even goes with joy. How? Because he knows the end. (laughs) He is the beginning 
and the end of all things. All things consist in Him. Which means, if you can't fit whatever it is is your life in Him, which is another reason why we start cutting out, putting to death the deeds of the body. In order to remind the body, you are not boss, sir, ma'am. Instead, you were made for God. And I will wrestle you into submission until you are filled with all the goodness of God. All of His Holy Spirit. Did you catch what is so (laughs) beautiful? I never had seen this before until I looked at this passage. In that same hour. So so basically they come back, they're high-fiving, and Jesus says, let's make sure we're rejoicing over the right things. And that is, our names are written in heaven. Not just that you did something great here. Then he said, in that same hour, the very same moment, he then joins into the celebration, Jesus does. But notice how, in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. This is a moment where, all of a sudden, Jesus interacts with the Holy Spirit in an ecstatic way. I use that term because ecstatic literally has the idea of being outside of one's self. And in our best moments, in the the moments of life that really mean something, we're not thinking about ourself. Self-introspection will kill a conversation. Self-introspection will destroy a speech. Self-introspection will kill love. But ecstatic, in other words, being lost in the moment or in another, boy, that's where all of a sudden you'll discover something called joy. Deeper than happiness, joy unspeakable. And it happens in the strangest of places and times and moments. So maybe even when we least expect it. It may be the ray, a ray of the sun beaming through. I remember sitting in my office one time at at Calhoun and it was this dark, uh, you know, the, the wood paneling, you know, the old from the 80s and everything. I was sitting in an office like that, and this, this one beam of light was shining on the wall. And there's no windows. This place is like a prison. It was built, you know, in the 60s when they were worried about nuclear disaster, you know. And um, it was actually a nuclear place where you could go and, and, and be and had an internal system, which now they've deemed as, as and moved us out because it's too dangerous and unhealthy. But um, this beam of light came in with shining. And I was like... Where's this thing coming from? You know, I started, started investigating. I'm like, look. It was like all the way from a different office. Somehow had had crept into to like the, this nook or whatever. And I was like, that is crazy. And I was just, it was just this moment. It was just a ray of light. But it was a moment where it was joy unspeakable. I'm just sitting there enjoying a normal Tuesday. How? Because of God. That's how. I believe he gave me that little moment. And he kind of nudged me and said, hey, look, look. And, and, and in that moment, the Spirit, I was, I was, as it said here, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. 
And he begins to pray. He begins to thank his father. And he mentions here that the wisdom of God, that the ways of God confuse the world. But that doesn't confuse little children. Not the childlike. Now, never does the scripture call us to be childish, but rather childlike. In other words, lowly. Children, they don't, if you've noticed, <laughs> they don't they don't like think about themselves and what they're gonna look like before they do something, right? There's not a lot of self-introspection. I mean, they come right out of the shower and you're like, whoa, there's company here, man. Bro. Sometimes they'll say things. <laughs> um, uh, my, my, uh, my dad used to um, preach against uh, drinking and smoking pretty heavily uh, when we were children. And, um, and, and, you know, he may be known to do that now. I, I don't know. I haven't heard one of his sermons in a little while. But, um, but <laughs> one day uh, we were at the bank and uh, Justin was parroting, really, what dad had said. And, uh, of course, then you could smoke inside the bank and this guy's sitting there smoking in line. And, and Justin's right behind him. And, uh, and he taps daddy on the, or, hey, hey, daddy, is that guy going to hell because he's smoking? He got to, he's like, oh, oh sh- sh- son, be quiet. You know, children, they just don't have a filter, do they? Now, of course, the Bible is not calling us to be inappropriate. It's not calling us to be unprofessional, certainly. It's calling us to be wise with our words. But that type of innocence that type of trust, when your father says something, you just simply believe it. That's what the scripture's calling us to be like. God, help us to listen to you today and know that you're calling each one of us to that childlike faith. Man, we need more of that. And I think there's something very encouraging here. And that is... In 22, when you get Jesus, when you see Jesus, you see God. There's no hidden God. Sometimes we wonder, I wonder what God is like. Look at Jesus. I wonder about, look at Jesus. When you see Jesus, you see God. There is no Hidden God. People try to look and say, well, this word means this, and there's this secret pattern in the Bible that does. Jesus. Don't be talking about secrets and all of this. It's not helpful. For we see clearly who God is and what clearly matters. He could have written a book, he could have come at a time where he had a podcast or his own TV show or YouTube channel, and everybody subscribed. And everybody listened to us. And we say, man, that would be way better. Not according to him. There's something lost in that kind of communication, apparently. It's not helpful. It should be a warning for us. Paul says this, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. 
It's great to be American. I was singing that song in my head this I'm proud to be an American. I'm prouder to be a part of the kingdom of God. It's going to last forever, not America. We've got our sins and garbage in our past and even now. Not the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, friend, is breaking in. And we are called to usher it in as martyrs. The term martyr is just simply witness. We are called to lay down our life. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. This is Philippians 1.27. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Are you willing to fight the good fight? It is a fight, friend. I don't know if anybody's told you this, but we're, we're part of the church militant right now. Which doesn't mean we're concerned with concealed carry. But instead that we conceal the word of God in our hearts that we might not sin against him. That we are filled with all the goodness of God. That the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the only way for that to happen is for us to be emptied. And for him then to fill us to overflowing. So we can be poured out for others. This is the call This is what Jesus wants you to hear today from this passage. He turns to his disciples privately at the very end. And I love that. And I've thought about that a lot. And I I feel like the Lord just, just sort of spoke and said, the reason I did that was because they didn't realize the time in which they were living. You know what, brother or sister? Sometimes I think we forget in the awesome time that we're living. I mean, look, I know life is tough and stuff, but life's been a lot tougher. Just crack open a history book sometime. At this point in my life, just rewind 200 years, my wife would be dead and my dad would be dead. At the least, just from two minor medical incidents, they'd be out. Wouldn't have the kids that I had. Because that happened, appendectomy happened. Well... With Jackson in the womb. I didn't even know it. That's actually how we found out. (laughs) It's like, hey, you're pregnant. What? We're living in 2019. That's where we are in the story. And I want to say that God just wants to say, hey, come near real quick. Listen. Listen. If you could hear me, man, you're a really important part to the story. They were, and these people were, and they were, but now it's time for you to act out what I've called you to act. It's a great time to be alive. It really is. There's no better time than now because now is all we have. And I wonder if he could privately speak to you this morning if you just listen to him. Sometimes we think he's just in the big earthquake and the, and the big wind that's blowing, but sometimes we just need to be quiet and draw near because a whisper is only heard when you're close.
Would you be willing to draw close to God this morning? Would you be willing to listen to Him today and say, yes, Lord, but the source of our joy isn't in our accomplishments. The source of our joy is not in the authority and in the power of Jesus' name even. The source of our joy is not in ourself. The source of our joy is, not, is, is only from heaven. Coming down is a good gift from God. It's, a, it's really the product of, if you will, being in Christ. So it's not preaching. It's not casting out demons. These things other people did, Jesus said, and they didn't know me. No, instead, it's being found in him and he in us. A holy communion of love. A divine family <laughs> that we are called to be brothers and sisters in. I don't just throw those words around flippantly. I really mean it when I look at you and say, you're my brother. You're my sister. Because we are part of a family. That's a big family. And one day we'll sit around a big table, Scripture says, and enjoy a big meal and have a big, long conversation that's called eternity. But we must listen to him. So, Lord, let it be. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.